This episode of Happy has been sponsored by The Soak. The Soak is a private mental health and wellness centre offering best-in-class psychotherapists, psychiatrists, psychologists, counsellors and leadership development specialists. The Soak cover common behavioural health issues such as depression, anxiety and other non-acute disorders offering family therapy, child and adolescent counselling, offer outpatient treatment for eating disorders and addictions, as well as delivering a broad range of corporate wellbeing services. Please visit thesoak.uk for more information. Hi, Roman. Welcome back to another episode of Happy. I'm delighted that you've joined us today, and I'm really pleased to welcome Miriam from The Soak. Um, the Soak are going to be a, a sponsor partner for us in our next episode, which will be coming out in the next uh, the next week or so. So, Miriam, welcome. We'd just like to give everyone a, an introdu- introduction to who you are and a little bit about The Soak for me, please. Sure. Um, thank you very much for inviting me on. Um, I am the founder and um, the CEO of The Soak, as you mentioned, and it's S-O-K-E rather than S-O-A-K, um, which is a private mental health centre in London, um, seeing everything and anything and anyone from the age of, I mean, we have clients as young as three, and we also have clients in their late 80s. Um, we cover the full sort of range of mental health issues, um, personal development, coaching, um, sort of skill sets around the workplace, uh, burnout, which is what we're going to talk about today. And of course, we have a lot of um, diagnostic and assessment work around children these days who are increasingly um, being asked to be assessed for ADHD and autism, and actually their parents are asking for it, and the schools are asking for it, and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why um, be a voice of reason uh, in some of those cases because everybody wants the assessment, but not a lot of people necessarily need it. Um, so yeah, we cover the full spectrum of outpatient uh, care and presentations and care. Um, so we don't see people who are unwell enough to who need to go into uh, an inpatient setting. It's really about looking after the functioning unwell. Um, mm-hmm. And we do a lot of work around uh, prevention. So we work with a lot of corporate clients around how to look after their people mm-hmm. and how to um, instill sort of cultural changes little by little that will make for a a healthier and more productive working environment. Good. Excellent. Thank you for that intro. Um, and, and you're right, we're, we're, on, we're going to talk about, when you and I had a, a call before this to discuss what we'll be talking about, I think we, we both very agreed early on that a good subject title would be burnout. And it's a word that so many people use and it, it kind of trips off the tongue in, in many ways. And But as you said to me, quite rightly so, there is a far more detailed explanation about burnout, which we're going to cover. And um, you're the expert to uh, to talk about that uh, for us today. So we've got a few questions that we're going to cover in the next 25, 30 minutes for, for people to to learn a little bit more about about burnout. So let, let's let's go through them. And the first the first one is, you know, very straightforward is um, what is and isn't burnout, which I think is, is a great way of, of phrasing that. So what is and, and isn't burnout? 
people who are suffering with stress may mistake that for burnout these days. Stress is pretty much, we've all experienced stress at different times, and it's completely normal and to be expected for work to eat into our personal time occasionally, and that is the cause of stress. Um, stress really is when you are thinking about work when you should be recovering from work. So during your recovery time, which is evenings, weekends, whatever it is, as I say, it's it's fine for a for a limited period of time, but it's when it becomes uh, chronic that it becomes it becomes something more serious. So how I would say the first point is to distinguish stress from burnout. Stress eats into your recovery time. It's a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. Change or circumstances around work, either your patterns of work or finishing finishing a project, which, you know, takes a weight off your shoulders, all of those things, and, and being able to recover, that is stress. Mm-hmm. Burnout is something that almost exists whilst you're at work because you're productive you've got your head down you're just getting it's when you go home that and you can't stop thinking about it burnout is um is actually present in the way that you do your work so the various factors that sort of um play into burnout are there are actually it's it's an official clinical term by the way Mm -hmm, burnout mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's recognized as having three key characteristics. The first is that you're persistently exhausted. So no amount of sleep, no amount of any kind of recovery is going to make any difference. You remain exhausted. The second characteristic is that you have um, a disassociation from your workplace and your colleagues, and that sort of is grounded in cynicism. Mm -hmm. So you kind of you know, that don't really believe in what you're doing, don't really have a lot of um, emotional connection to your work or to your colleagues. And it all seems like a bit of a waste of time. Mm -hmm. The third thing is that you believe that no matter what you do, you are ineffective. So nothing that you're doing is actually, you know, getting you or the organisation from A to B, you're like a, you know, a a cog in a wheel. You're just... Mm -hmm rolling over, over and over again. So those three things, if they are present, then you have the makings of burnout. Um, So that's, that's the sort of in a nutshell, Mm -hmm. um, explanation for the difference between stress and burnout. Mm -hmm. So would you say that the next question we're going to cover is how, how can you self-diagnose burnout? Um, you kind of started touching on that just now. Do you want to maybe unpack that a little bit more for us? Sure. Well, as I say, the first sort of key characteristics are those three things. Mm -hmm. And I think persistence in all three of them, but, you know, I mentioned it in relation to exhaustion, but persistence with all three of them is is necessary. It has Mm -hmm. to be over a prolonged period of time. Um, There is a a sort of a, a checklist that you can go through um, which I'm happy to go through. It's got six points mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. 
um, if if your listeners or viewers want to grab a piece of paper or put it in their phone um, and score from one to ten on the following six questions. And if things are good, go ten. If things are bad, go one and everything in between. So okay. the positive, the positive um, uh, number is, is the higher number. So number one, um, how manageable is your workload? So if it's very manageable, you know, you go above five and so on. Number two, values. Um, how does your work align with your values? Do you actually believe in in uh, what you're doing? Do you feel an emotional connection to the ultimate goal, um, either of what you're doing or to the organization as a whole? Mm-hmm. Number three is reward. Um, how appropriately compensated are you? Um, again, sort of if you think you're well paid and and um, re- remunerated both actually financially and through recognition of, mm-hmm. of contribution mm-hmm. make, then you score higher. Um, number four is control. <laughs> how much autonomy do you have over the way that you do your work um, and how you are expected to produce the results you know is there an element of i suppose respect there for what you're doing mm-hmm. number five is fairness how equitably you think you're being treated uh, in relation to your colleagues um and last but not least is community how strongly you feel that your workplace relationships are actually a positive factor in your mm-hmm today uh, profession so if you have scored highly anything above five uh, at towards 10 um, then you are hopefully not at risk of burnout you know you may have stress you may have other things going on but if you score sort of below five mm-hmm. uh, consistently on all of that then <clears throat> you need to start sort of asking some questions um, and the good thing about this checklist is that you may find that, for example, you score, you know, 10 on community, but two on reward. Mm-hmm. What it does, what's helpful about this checklist is that you can identify the areas of weakness. Okay. So there is still a possibility for you to take measures yourself to rectify the parts that aren't strong. Um, and it's a, it's a you know going through the exercise number one it sort of identifies where you are on a clinically recognized scale but number mm-hmm. two it's a very good way of determining whether you're in the right role doing the right thing and feeling sort of fulfilled as you mm-hmm. should be um, so those those are the sort of the, the first the top level you know, persistent exhaustion, cynicism towards what you're doing and a belief of ineffectiveness. Mm-hmm. And then below that is is the checklist of six sort of um, subcategories and, mm-hmm. and how you can determine whether or not you are uh, at risk of burnout. At risk of burnout. I think it's a really good way of, of doing that individually. And I hope people that are watching and um, or listening to this do take time, you know, to look at that because, as you're right, there, there is 
there are times in in our in our work lives and our personal lives where um, it is busy and so oh, I'm, I'm I'm stressed out. I'm just at the, at the point of burnout. But then, suppose in a week, you think, well, am I really? Um, so I think that's that's a really really clever way of of actually taking time and and self assessing. Right, am I there? Am I at that point? Well, the the good thing about this this list and this methodology of determining where you are is that it is really work related. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you could probably use it for other circumstances separately, but I think uh, we see a lot of people who are stressed, who think they've got burnout Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and actually a lot of what's going on is going on in their life outside work. Mm -hmm. So as a result, work becomes stressful as well but the reality is they're bringing a lot of stuff from Mm -hmm. the outside from their lives you know we're not just employees we're sort of um people with many different facets and many different sort of systems as we call it uh in the mental health world you've got lots of different systems going on your family your friends your Mm -hmm. health your sense of security all of those things play into how you feel Um, So being able to narrow it down by saying, right, I'm going to ask these six questions specifically about my work. Then if there's still a niggling feeling, even though you've scored highly, then you can sort of say, okay, what am I going to look at outside my work that's causing me to feel the way I'm feeling? Have you seen, um, so so now that you're talking about that, in terms of getting that, that difference between, that separation between work and outside of work, Obviously, since since COVID, the whole working from home thing has become a bigger thing. Um, so then people can get the two muddled up sometimes because they are working, you know, working from home. Have you seen um, more cases of of what you would regard as burnout since um, the since that has become more of a of a norm for people because they can't separate? you know, work from home and, and, and it's it's all it's all coming together. Yeah. I, well, certainly in the early days, we were seeing that. I think there's less of that um, spillover now that people in the main are mm-hmm. at the office. Um, there, It's certainly um, sector-wise, it makes a difference. So mm-hmm. the, the people that we see who are most burned out from this sort of lack of separation of people who work in technology and that is because they seem to first of all they do have autonomy over their work they're they're coding they are sort of completely focused on what they're doing and suddenly 10 hours has passed and it's three o'clock in the morning and they're still doing it the reason they're not burnt out is because they enjoy it so much okay okay Um, but you know there is an absence of boundaries yeah Um, yeah, and I okay. think that is that is ultimately the the key to everything. Being able to have boundaries, being taking perhaps even you know the most obvious sort of simplistic almost steps. Mm-hmm. I've got a colleague actually who who does work from home, and um, when she is working from home, she wears her lanyard from the office with her you know ID card. So that when she finishes, you know, when she puts that on, she's like, I'm in work mode. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the minute she takes that off, that's it. She's not Mm -hmm. at work anymore. And that very simple step Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
allows her to create that before and after difference. So she now knows, and some people I know um, that we've worked with, they they get, you know, once upon a time, uh, there, there was that sort of um, understanding that everybody was dressed sort of from, from the neck up uh, during uh, lockdown. I think more and more people now are actually properly dressing for mm-hmm. work, even mm-hmm. when they are working from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, changing from your regular shirt into a T-shirt um, can be all the difference between mm-hmm. putting behind you. And I would recommend that people who do feel that there isn't um, that boundary between the two worlds because they're in the same setting that they were all day, they mm-hmm. take little steps to mm-hmm. to be able to um, find the differences. It can be, you know, again, somebody else I know, he sort of sits in his office and um, at the end of the day, he just opens his door, the dog comes running in and suddenly everything's uh, different. So you yeah. need to find what works for you and stick to it. Yeah, I, I agree. And there the can, the can be examples you've given are you know, relatively small in terms of the lanyard experience uh, or not the la- lanyard um, example and also um, just as you say, put a proper shirt on yeah. as opposed to uh, as opposed to T-shirt and, and hoodie. Um, and I think people now are getting that and understanding that, and that that's where you know at home there can be a bit of a of a separation. Um, otherwise, it all becomes not muddled up as such, but it, it can it, it can begin to bring in the stresses of outside work into work, and then you're not as productive. Um, and then that, obviously everything else can. I think that although it's very convenient sometimes to work from home. Um, one of the other things that psychologically helps is to not actually start doing two things. So, for example, somebody might say, I'm working, but I also just put a load of laundry on and then I'm going to. Again, that's where um, you muddy the waters. You know, I, I do know people who absolutely will not touch anything in their home um, as if they were at work, as if mm-hmm. they were physically not there. Uh, again, so that they can have that separation of of their two worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that I did that, but I think if I did that, then my wife would probably say, why is that washing not been put on? You've been at home all day today, et cetera. So, um, but everybody's, everybody's different on that. But I, I do have to say, I do like to have, you know, a bit of separation in, in, in some things as well. When I work from home and knowing that, door is closed um, and it's head down and go on with work and then as you say maybe not quite the the dog example that you gave but you know when the door is open and my children are home then you know uh, I might still be I might still be working or about to finish up but I think it's it's it's, it's a really really important lesson good yeah. okay um we're kind of touched on this one a little bit as well is that that kind of auto is there an automatic correlation between overwork and burnout um you know but I mean would you say we've been kind of touching on that so far just now and yeah I think um overwork is I I don't know if there is an automatic correlation I mean the chances are if you've burnt out then you have also overworked but not not counting the sort of the workload question out of those 
six in the, on the checklist, mm-hmm. really none of them require you, you to be overworking. They're much more about how you feel when you're working. Mm-hmm. I think the the overworking thing can happen and be related to stress. It can be related to burnout. And it can just be neither of those things, but you somehow lose the quality of life. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of questions to be asked around overworking. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of them need to look again outside or beyond your workplace to find mm-hmm. out why you're overworking. I, I've yet to come across anybody who says that I have my, you know, my manager, my boss, whoever standing over me saying work harder, work longer. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very, very few, especially when you're talking to more senior people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the more junior people, I suppose that, you know, they answer um, their, their answer to this question, why do you overwork is because, well, I want to get far in my career and so on. Mm-hmm. When you get to the to the next level where you're not required to really prove anything, um the question becomes you know where where is this pressure coming from you know mm-hmm. pressure mm-hmm. to work like this and most people i think recognize that they're putting pressure on themselves mm-hmm. um and then you then dig a little bit this is where therapy and coaching becomes um quite helpful in trying to dig deeper and finding out why you know where is so a lot of people particularly in certain uh, fields where they've um they've ended up where they've ended up because they've done very well academically mm-hmm. they've had markers to reach throughout mm-hmm. their academic career and they've known you know if i work this hard this is what happens i get mm-hmm. grades and so on mm-hmm. comes to the world of work they're constantly in pursuit of this shifting target nobody's mm-hmm them a grade but they you know this is the way they've spent the first you know 20 years of their life effectively learning Mm -hmm. Um, and this is the only way they know so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of you know that's where you you kind of just as I say dig a little deeper and try to find out why are you doing this you know what's going on outside your life some people it's it's um to do with the personal pressure. Some people will say, you know, I'm not happy at home. Mm-hmm. Therefore, work is a bit of an escape for me. There can be plenty of answers. There can be upsides to working mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. that they work. And mm-hmm. I think getting to the bottom of it is is probably quite important um, mm-hmm. to determine what's going on. Yeah, I, th- I think like in, in any um, subject title like this, the more that you try and um, not hide away from it or ignore it, um, then obviously the worse it becomes like any like any illness, effectively. You know, the more that you ignore that, whether that be what we're talking about today or whether it be, you know, something maybe a, a little bit more physical and obvious to you, the more you ignore it, then the worse it becomes. So I think the the great opportunity that people have from organizations like yourself at the soak is that they are are experienced qualified people who can work with you to try and recognize it and to put some kind of plan in place to help you um along the way so uh, that that that's that's key for me and and i think that the final question that we're looking at is 
what what's the so people watching this today um and there'll be some people going that's me that is exactly me and they've maybe gone through the the, the kind of checklist that we're looking at today what steps do you or do, do, can somebody take um if they recognize that they are burnt out um it's it's not an overnight thing if you've mm -hmm. got burnout it takes proper recovery time um you i would suggest that you certainly look at it, it really very much depends on which of those answers uh, 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 the killer answer is the killer answer. You know, mm -hmm, is it because mm -hmm. you're not aligned with your work. Is it because you're not paid enough? You know, each one of those can have um, uh, related sort of recovery steps. But I would say, if you're burnout, if you're burnt out, the chances are all of them are present in one way or another, mm -hmm. and um, that's when you have to ask the bigger questions what am I doing in this organization? Is this what I want to do with my life? You know, because if, if you kind of just say, well, I'm just, I'm just going to go and uh, sort out my pay. And, you know, I'll get a paid a hell of a lot more, but none of those other things are going to shift, then it's only a matter of time before somebody else, something else um, bites you on the backside. So we would recommend that if you do get to that point where you have what is clinically diagnosable as burnout, then time out. Uh, and during that time out, it's not about just resting, although some of that absolutely is key, but uh, some of it is about asking yourself the bigger question you know, about the choices that you are continuing to make around your professional life. Mm -hmm. What sacrifice, what matters to you? Mm -hmm. uh, and how can you make sure that this is no longer a factor in your professional sort of productiveness uh, for, for what remains of your career? Mm -hmm. And I think quite a few people through COVID did exactly that. They may not have gone through this, you know, formal sort of six step process, mm -hmm. but it was the opportunity to stop a little bit in the mm -hmm. early days of COVID and to reflect on, wow, you know, I now realize this, this, this was missing um, and how work made me feel. And I've decided to quit and go into teaching or whatever. Mm -hmm. it was. So stopping to to not only physically recover, but also to take stock of what's going on with you um, is probably the first step towards recovery. And of course, being in the field that I am in, I would encourage that you have somebody to ask those questions with you um mm -hmm. quite difficult to stay on track and to have that sort of two-way conversation with yourself in a productive way that doesn't sort of just make you go around in circles mm -hmm. um, so talking through it with a coach or a psychotherapist or a counselor whatever works for you is something that we would definitely recommend because sometimes you need to say things out loud to really mm -hmm. hear what you're saying mm -hmm. um, so the answer is is often you know within you without mm -hmm. sounding spiritual about it, but you do need somebody to kind of just um, just get it out of you to make you realise what really matters. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, I would I would suggest then that the first point is it's just a little bit of that kind of personal reflection. Definitely. Um, and and taking that time just to kind of on your own 
just reflect and say, right, what is happening here? Um, where where is this coming from? What yeah. what are the what are the triggers? What is um, looking through that checklist that you talked earlier on? I, I I'm a big fan of these that that checklist idea in a number of different facets um and uh whether it become to my day job from a, a recruitment perspective um are we are we on board with what we're trying to do for our clients are we are we are we have do we have that checklist but also from a personal aspect from what you're saying here just now i think that's a that's a really really valuable lesson but i i i'm also in full agreement with you um that talking about it with somebody and certainly this this subject title talking about somebody who's a little bit more experienced um and who can really help you um effectively become better um is key is key and that and that obviously just to kind of wrap our time up is where the soak can can come in so just just to kind of We've talked a little bit burnout there just now. And I hope that's been helpful for people. Let, let's talk for a couple of minutes about the soak. What what um what drove you or inspired you or pushed you to to start the soak, Miriam? Give, give us a little a bit of background so, to that. Um, my my sort of personal background included um, the suicide of my father and my brother, not together, but within a short time frame three or four years and i worked in communication and branding um and i i became very curious and to some extent i suppose a little bit worried that um what you know there might be this thing in my family that i might also have or catch um so i decided to to go and speak to a psychotherapist and then from speaking to a psychotherapist, I became curious about learning about psychotherapy, you know, what's actually, because there is, you know, you sit there and you think, I wonder what they're thinking, um, or certainly I did in those days. So um, I then trained as a psychotherapist. And in that process, I'd experienced it both as a receiver of therapy and wider of therapy. And it became so clear to me that there were massive voids between the conversation that is taking place in in the big wide world around, you know, destigmatization and accessibility and all of those things around mental health, and actually what people were experiencing, which was still very clinical. Um, it was the relationship um, traditionally in a mental health setup is between the patient and the practitioner, whether it's a therapist, a psychologist, a psychiatrist. What I wanted to do was to recognize that for somebody to think about therapy and to then go ahead and sort of book time, choose the place they wanted to go, make the arrangements to go, and then have somebody to talk about it and say, this is what I thought of my practitioner. I didn't like them. I did like them. You know, whatever the feedback is. Mm -hmm. Lots of touch points. And right now that doesn't exist. You go to see your therapist. If you don't like them, the only person you can tell is your therapist, mm -hmm. which can have its benefits. But people don't do that, especially if they're in the early days of therapy. They're not at that stage where they can re be ready to confront it so the idea for the soak was to create a center first of all where lots of people with different specialities work under the same roof so we have psychiatrists who deal with everything from 
addiction to autism to um, you you name it basically mm -hmm. depression and anxiety to somebody who is for example a, a grief therapist or mm -hmm. a um, and and we bring all of these people together under one roof and we pay them to collaborate. So again, an area that we dif differentiate ourselves from other providers is that most private mental health organizations, it's it's sort of the rent-a-room model. So okay. the practitioner, yeah. you know, gets their own clients, pays for the room and so on and so forth. Um, we pay our practitioners for the full day, whether they see one client or five, we pay them okay. for the full day. And that means that the client can rest assured that whatever the advice they're getting uh, or direction sort of, they may be um, navigating with their practitioner, the practitioner has zero financial gain or interest. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and every, every single day we tools down at 11 o'clock and all the practitioners get together and they discuss cases and they get advice from each other and somebody might be seeing somebody for That's depression good. also want to know about addiction issues. Mm -hmm. So that's what we've done in under one roof and we've tried to also make the environment feel very unclinical i mean i'm i'm in one of the practice rooms now which mm -hmm. does not look like a no it doesn't it's lovely yeah um so that the idea is that not only will people feel comfortable to seek it out but we do a lot of preventative work which you know you and i have touched on in this conversation about trying to spot the signs before it gets the crisis point mm -hmm. so if somebody comes to us they don't necessarily have to feel as if they're at breaking point mm -hmm. they come to see us and say you know i'm doing brilliantly in my career i want to know how i can unlock elements that will make me be able to sort of continue on this trajectory for however long so mm -hmm. we do a lot of work around that as well and mm -hmm. that's yeah and we've got our centre in South Kensington, we're about to open uh, a second centre in Wimbledon next week, in fact. Um, and we hope that um, it's sort of engaging with mental health uh, mm -hmm. be common enough to justify our sort of spreading our wares, really, to lots of different people. You know, my hope is that in the future, people will have a therapist in the way that they have a coach. Uh, okay. a, yeah. So, uh, listen, that, that's a, that, I didn't understand that. I didn't appreciate that. It's a very personal um, story there. Thank, I mean, thank you for you know just kind of giving us that background, but that that, that does help. And um, <clears throat> it's clear that you personally have come through a lot. And um, I'm absolutely convinced that anybody watching this just now, perhaps haven't gone through the same experience as yourself, Marianne, but are going through or have gone through. Um, challenges and struggles, um, whether it be to do with burnout or whether to to do with wider mental health challenges, that um, they can take some action and hopefully take some action on on that today from listening and and obviously they can reach out to you guys at the Soak um, and, uh, and 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 maybe kick that off and we would encourage people to do that. That, that certainly that would be the message from today that you've learned something about burnout. And if you know if, if there's something there that can be helpful to you, then reach out to reach out to uh, to the guys at the Soak. Yeah. Um, then yeah. this has this been has been great. Thank you so much. Um, you. I appreciate your your time today. Um, and uh, the, the the Soak are partnering with us in the next 
few episodes um, that we're going to be showing over the next while. So all contact details, if anyone wants to reach out to them confidentially, will be available um, in the future. So, Miriam, thank you. It's been good to um, good to talk to you. And um, well, I'm sure you and I will, will talk again very soon. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Very much.